Welcome to the Bell Ringers Teaching Podcast. Hello and welcome to Bell Ringers, a teaching podcast to activate your school day. My name is Young Kim and I am a future educator just finishing up my last week of student teaching. And I'm Kaylin Bullock, currently working as an instructional technology coach. And in a former job, I was Young's junior high and high school history teacher. Yes. And now I'm excited to walk alongside him as he steps into the teaching profession. All right. Now let's get on with the show. For today's bell ringer, reflect on the following question. What do you believe about education? Education. Right. So today we're going to try to get to your thoughts about that based on your experience in student teaching. How, How are you feeling about teaching in general after after this experience? I think the biggest thing that for me personally that I learned is the absolute importance of good classroom management, clear expectations and consistent guidelines and just like a, a natural rhythm to my teaching. And alongside with that is just having clear expectations about what I'm going to be teaching and what I'm expecting my students to get done in a class period. I learned that my lesson plans need to be more concise and broken down because I found that I was trying to pack a lot of things into 40 minutes that was not realistic. Hmm. So the first takeaway is just the importance of classroom management and i think related to that you mentioned being consistent and having clear expectations Mm -hmm. and then your other takeaway is just the pacing of your lessons um what might be some specific patterns or trends that you noticed with the pacing of your lessons Mm. i think i was optimistic and unrealistic about uh, some of my students and their attention spans in terms of when I'm up there and I'm just I need their attention for three minutes so that I can give some very important information that they're gonna need and so I would say I would ask for everyone's attention and when I think I have everyone I would just give all my instructions and hopefully they have it on a piece of paper on the whiteboard or something like that. Also, I'm telling them what they need to be doing, but oftentimes getting everyone's attention, um, managing distractions and all that took longer than what I had planned for in my lesson plans because it's just bell rings, students enter, greet them, and they sit down and then you say, okay, listen, here's what you need to do. You're going to do this and this, and don't forget about this because you need this to do this next thing. And even to get them ready to listen to that took longer than I wanted it to. And so I would find myself getting frustrated because 
frustrated for their sake because I wanted my students to get to the fun thing. Rather than just sitting and listening to me, I wanted them to, to do and to learn on their own. And I guess I was trying to think about like, what would it be as a student? Man, I would hate to just have to sit here and listen to the teacher. I want to just do the thing right now. And so for me, I just wanted to say, okay, like I just want to give you the instructions so that you can get going. And so that took a lot of time. And then even the, after I give all the instructions, then you have two or three kids who are not focused at all. And they raise their hand and say, what do we need to do? <laughs> and I just, I, I, I would hold it together and say, you know, like, you, as I just said, blah, 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 blah. And yeah, that took more time than I wanted. So you feel like you really wanted, you, you put a lot of effort and energy into quieting them down, getting the, the directions out, but they still didn't necessarily get the directions? Yeah, I would say that most students knew what to do. It's just, just because they're quiet and looking at you doesn't mean that they're taking in that information. Or for some of them, it was just they heard everything, but once they try to apply it, they don't know where to start. They don't know um, what it actually looks like to do what I want them to do. Yeah, so when it you know, just the learning style, once they get mm -hmm. in there to do it, they do need clarification. And that that's true for most people, Yeah, probably. Mm. What might be some ways to increase student ownership and creativity in the process? I think as I've been reflecting about my practices, I'm thinking that I probably had good intentions about the lessons and the activities that I wanted them to do. But as I was reflecting, I was thinking about how product and, and product oriented and focused my lessons seem to be after reflection about um, or maybe not the lessons itself, but how I, um, how I went about delivering the lesson and where my focus was. And I could see that students will pick that out and they will understand that Mr. Kim really wants us to finish this and turn this in. He wants to see something at the end of the class. Um, whereas maybe my intentions were more just, yes, I want there to be something at the end of class. I want to hold something that they've created, but hopefully in the middle of that, in the, in the doing, that students will take ownership of their own learning 
But I don't know how effective that was or if that was even in the right ballpark with having those student-centered ideas with product-focused teaching, delivering. So you're wondering what's, what's the balance? You want a student-centered activity, but there's perhaps too many rigid steps to get there? Yeah, I, I think maybe if the lesson isn't designed well in that the end product has to uh, the end product necessitates student-centered learning taking place which may be a paradox um, because I think all of my lessons maybe maybe not all but most of my lessons that I'm thinking of right now have just one answer mm. now the the ways that students might have come to that answer may have been different and creative, but I think in my mind, I was thinking, if you come to this answer, you will have done the process. You have gone through the steps to do the learning it takes to have the skill to accomplish this. Okay, so the question is, how do I make sure I maintain student curiosity? And I think to answer this, it goes back to what I believe a teacher should be or what I believe I should be as a teacher, and that's more relationship-oriented and more so being there for the kids rather than teaching a, a content area. And so instilling that curiosity or cultivating or maintaining that curiosity, I think requires you to know your students, know their interests and know their affinities and somehow incorporate that into the learning process. And as I'm thinking, it's difficult because you want to teach the content because that's what the state requires. And I want to teach the content because I enjoy the content, but I also place a big emphasis on the skills that I want students to learn. Uh, I'm, I'm just thinking about maps. We learn about like energy. So here's all the coal mines in a particular country and here are the rivers with hydroelectric power and the skill is how to read a map how to interpret a map and maybe the the project is say a girl likes horses and then you find a map of horses in a country or, or something like that and so that is something where I need to find the balance between what am I teaching the content? What am I teaching skills? What do my students like 
what are they interested in and it's easier to connect the their interests with the skills I would say rather than the content with the skills because that could be different for everybody I think you have a lot of good thoughts to <laughs> carry with you into your future career as a teacher. So thinking about the overall experience and all of the thoughts that have come up mm -hmm. in this conversation, what values do you want to carry with you in your future teaching career? Well, I, I really want my students to leave my classroom as curious, compassionate, and competent learners, like lifelong learners. And I think having that as a goal for myself will keep me grounded in knowing that I will only have some of these kids for one year, regardless if, I, if I'm in seventh grade teaching geography or if I'm in uh, spring semester, 12th grade government, I want my, I want my kids to be curious because, you know, they're not going to pay attention in my class, not all of them, but I want to plant that seed so that when they go home, they can go on Wikipedia and just, like, look up all the things that I can't possibly teach them, and hopefully that will spark them to do their own thinking. Along the way, I want them to be, you know, critical thinkers, readers, and writers so that they actually can make sense of what they're reading and can engage in conversation with other uh, hopefully productive members of society and you know when they go into that voting booth then they know what they're talking about or what they're thinking about and then that compassion aspect is just how can you make the world a better place through that and so for me having those three goals of being having students be curious, compassionate, and competent kind of gives me the sense that even the little victories will mean a lot in the long term. It may not, but I think that's okay, so. Well, good. I look forward to hearing as we go on about where your teaching career goes next mm -hmm. and how even possibly in substitute teaching yeah. you can think about these things and how classrooms are structured and what what things um, really build those mm -hmm. values that you have and what, what structures possibly tear down those values yeah. that you hold. Yeah. So we'll continue learning about that. Thanks for reflecting mm -hmm. with me about your overall experience. And it's time for our listener question from Kyla. Hello. Well, Hello. Yes. Yeah, so I have a question that came about recently because of just things that we're dealing with in the classroom and meetings with parents. Um, and it's about self-esteem and how can you foster and create a climate in your classroom to build self-esteem and confidence in your students and kind of going back to that growth mindset mm -hmm. that you can learn and you're not born either stupid or dumb you are stupid or smart you are <laughs> you can grow in your learning and 
it's, I just have find, found it so hard for students to get out of that thinking of, I can't do math because I wasn't born with a math brain. And yeah, mm. so. Yeah, that's definitely something um, that we're encountering and there's definitely a, also a big push for focusing on social and emotional learning. Um, one resource that comes to mind is Joe Bowler, um, J-O-B-O-A-L-E-R, and I think she talks especially specifically to math and growth mindset of, you know, helping kids understand like, oh, you made a mistake? That's great. That means, you know, you've got more... Nice. I don't know, things going on up there in the brain that's actually making it stronger. And so she talks a lot about some different language you can use to celebrate mistakes. That's been, I think, um, one of the things that's had to shift a lot in education is there's always been such a focus on the right answer and there's mm -hmm. no room for the wrong answer. Um, and so, but now we do want kids to fail. Um, another common phrase I, I hear thrown around is that when you spell out fail, it stands for first attempt in learning. Mm -hmm. um, so just trying to build a culture. But I think part of that culture comes along with thinking about as a teacher, how much you're grading and how often you're grading. So if everything out there is getting a grade, there's no room to fail and especially at the high school level um, you know there's all of this pressure to get the best grades and it's difficult to get into college so think about really what is formative what goes in the grade book what doesn't how much feedback you can give along the way so that they at least don't feel that pressure of well I can't afford to fail because then I will you know my GPA and you ruined my life all of a sudden. Um, and, you know, so I think Joe Bowler has a lot of good resources about some language you can use about celebrating um, when you get something wrong that actually it does help your brain grow stronger. I've been learning a little bit about even the kind of feedback that you give. And, and I know that the growth mindset field talks about this too, instead of saying, oh, that was so smart. You know, oh, I noticed that you um, tried it multiple ways or wrote it out several different ways, instead of just saying, great job, um, or you're so smart. No, focus on the actions that that student took that led to that growth. And that takes a lot of effort. I, as I've learned about that kind of feedback, I've actually noticed myself more often when I say, great job, I'm like, oh, no, that's not exactly what I want to say. Hmm. And that's something that's, I think, difficult for us to shift our brain toward. Um, and just seeing how much you can, inspire students that they can do amazing things, uh, maybe by sharing stories of ordinary people that have had great success, because um, that could be any of them, and it really could. And, and so I, I think the more you can incorporate those stories, the more they might be able to see themselves that way. And I think as much as possible as teachers continuing to have that positive talk, because I, 
I fear or I'm nervous that they haven't heard enough of that at, targeted at them. And I can only imagine, um, I don't know, I know Young wasn't a troubled, troublesome student and I myself wasn't hmm. either. Not always. But if you were that kid who struggled through 12 years of schooling, what kind of messages did you hear from your peers and from your teachers that maybe weren't intentional, but I can imagine that a whole hmm. whole slew of those build, builds up over time and really has an effect. Um, as you were talking about like growth mindset and um, you know, there's not really like a focus on the right answer or wrong answer, since Halloween was you know, just a month ago. Uh-huh. Can you guess what I was for Halloween? Oh my goodness. Well <laughs> I'll just I'll just tell you. Okay, yes. <laughs> I was gray man. Gray man. I was I wore gray socks, gray sweatpants, gray shirt, and a gray beanie. Because well, this was my original thinking. I was gray man, number one, because I'm lazy and not very creative, but also I went around telling people, you know, history is not really black or white. It's gray. We got to learn to embrace that gray. I love it. <laughs> and so for me, just like, you know, thinking about that, I was um, encouraged about my choice. Wow. Or Halloween costume because I think that will be a, a key point to remember as I continue to be a great teacher. Oh, maybe not a, a growing teacher. A growing, always learning. Always learning teacher. teacher. Yes. yes. But I love that. Is Now, I'm old. Maybe you young people know. I feel like there's a term for like a gray, gray, is there like a term? Oh, like grout a, fit. Grout, grout fit. Yeah. Okay. I learned that recently. I'm like, you young people might know. Um, that also reminds me of um, two Halloween costume stories from my past. The first one, which I kind of failed at, this year, I, um, as a mom of young kids, we default to a kitty cat costume because that's super easy. But because I'm also the technology coach, which I actually I forgot to do, I was going to print out a sign that said Control C and mm. put it on me, and then I'd be <laughs> a copycat. Oh, nice. And and then my last one. So at the school that I taught at and you went to, we weren't supposed to dress up for Halloween, hmm. as you recall. I don't remember. You don't remember? Oh, man, that was a big deal for me. Because growing up, I went to Catholic school, and we all dressed up because that mean, meant we didn't have to wear our uniforms. Okay. So I was really sad when we didn't dress up at that school. But anyway, um, in oh, 2008, I in real life, not school life, dressed up as Sarah Palin. Oh, and I mastered nice. the Alaskan accent and I was all set to go. And I just could not resist because that year, you know, Halloween's October 30th. Election day was shortly thereafter. Mm -hmm. And so I low key dressed up as Sarah Palin, even though we weren't supposed to technically dress up. I did the hair, the glasses. I think I threw in the accent every now and then. 
So there was my teacher rebellion as Sarah Palin. So yeah, Halloween costumes. And I love, love the gray, the gray. Yeah. Everybody does. They think history is black and white, and it's not. And um, who knows? We may cut this, but that... I'm sure I've told you this before, but I, I personally, as a student, hated history because I did feel like it was black and white, and all I ever did was just listen to lectures, take notes, and memorize stuff, and just yeah. put it back out on the test and forget it. Um, and then it wasn't until I took a class in college that I learned that there was interpretation in gray oh, area, and I was like, oh my goodness, this is great, I wanna teach it. Um, but I will say in my beginning years as a teacher, I couldn't figure out how to teach it in the gray. Yeah. That took many years to even get to that point. So still trying to figure that out. But you have the Halloween costume in yeah. so you're I, I you're... could wear that every Halloween <laughs> at school. Yeah. Ask your students to interpret it. Yeah, oh. drive that drive that home. So anyway, well, thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite pod catcher. And next time we talk, you'll be done with student teaching. Yep, yeah, I will be done and looking for a job. So if there's any principals out there <laughs> looking for a 6 to 12 social studies teacher, you can contact me. I... <laughs> Actually, contact the podcast. They'll, <laughs> my people will contact my other people. You know what? <laughs> Next podcast episode, we should talk about Twitter and how you can build your professional learning network so your message can really get out to those principals. Mm. All right. So stay tuned for that. Mm-hmm.